Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Happy holidays to you. In our next segment, it's the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. Chris Paul finally has a new home. We'll tell you where. In segment three, Dr. Paul Dennis, he's a sports psychologist, will join us. I've been wanting to have him on for a long time. You know, there's a lot of athletes out there, troubled athletes. Why do they take the wrong path? We'll find out from Dr. Paul Dennis. The other thing I want to ask him, athletes like Peyton Manning, we saw Brandon Roy of the Portland Trailblazers, only 27 years old, had to retire this week due to chronic knees. What happens when athletes have to make that transition from their playing career to retirement? We'll discuss that with Dr. Paul Dennis coming up in segment three. In segment four, one of my favorite people in sports, Eric Spolstra, the head coach of the Miami Heat. The Heat, many people's favorite to win the NBA title this year. They've got their core of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh returning, some nice signings with Shane Battier and Eddie Curry. We'll get into the Heat and find out the most misunderstood thing about LeBron James from Eric Spolster. That's coming up in segment four. couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business blog. Download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can follow me on Twitter at SBRadio. Next week and the week after, we're going to get into the top 20 sports business radio stories of 2011. If you've got submissions, you can email those to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at sportsbusinessradio.com. It'll be 20 through 11 next week, and then 10 through 1 the final week of 2011. Happy holidays. Sports headlines coming up next. This is SBR. Back with more after this. Our finest gifts we bring It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages, and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Everything to be in the headlines. Headline number one. It was on again. It was off again. It was on again and then off again. And finally on again. Chris Paul, CP3, finally traded to the Los Angeles Clippers this week. Griggs, this was like the most ridiculous story I've seen in a while because you had Chris Paul, who plays for the New Orleans Hornets, which, by the way, is owned by the NBA. He was traded to the Lakers. That got nixed by the league. Then he was traded to the Clippers a first time. That got nixed by the league. The Lakers and Clippers tried to put trades together again to reacquire Chris Paul, And finally, the Clippers and Hornets agreed to a deal on Wednesday. Chris Paul will go to the Clippers. The Clippers will send Eric Gordon, center Chris Kamen, forward Al Farouk Amino, and Minnesota's unprotected 2002 first-round pick to the Hornets for Paul. The Clippers will also receive two future second-round picks. And uh, this deal finally gets done. But, you know, if I'm the New Orleans Hornets I don't know if I like this deal better than the first deal they did with the Lakers, where they would have gotten Lamar Odom, they would have gotten uh, Luis Scola, and they would have gotten Kevin Martin from Houston and a pick. And then if you're Houston, you would have gotten Pau Gasol, and now you don't get Pau Gasol. So this has a domino effect on several NBA teams, and it's because the NBA was heavy-handed on this. And look, if you didn't want Chris Paul to be traded in the first place— why didn't you let Dell Demps, the GM of the New Orleans Hornets, know, look, until we sell this team, Chris Paul, who has more star value than anyone on this team, is going to stay put. Once the team is sold, then if someone wants to trade him, they can do so. But right now, we can't trade Chris Paul. For them to nix this thing twice and then finally let it go through, what a circus. Yeah, it has been. And it's like, I don't remember last time I've seen a trade with such a big player like this, especially it goes so back and forth and up and down. And this isn't happening. This is happening. And I don't know, in the back of my mind, I kept thinking maybe it's it's David Stern in the NBA trying to work so hard to get the right thing because it's like the first big thing back with the NBA now that the lockout's over. I don't know. I just keep thinking that over and over. Like they're trying to get this so right that they're working too hard at it, I think. This is big for the Clippers, though. They've never really had a star the magnitude of Chris Paul. And obviously last year, rookie of the year, Blake Griffin. So now you start talking about the Clippers. You know what? Hey, the Lakers aren't the only team in town now. And oh, by the way, the Lakers gave away Lamar Odom for a trade exception and some picks to the Dallas Mavericks, the world champion Dallas Mavericks, who swept them out of the playoffs last year. They want to use that trade exception for Orlando center Dwight Howard. Talk about another soap opera. Dwight Howard says, I want to be traded to New Jersey. There are reports that New Jersey may have met with him privately and his agent and tampered. Then there are reports that uh, Dwight Howard says, you know what? I love Orlando. I love the city of Orlando. There's no place I'd rather be. But, oh, by the way, here are the teams that uh, I would accept a trade to. Dallas, New Jersey, the Lakers, Then on Wednesday, after numerous reports that, hey, the Nets are closing in on Dwight Howard, all of a sudden, you know what? The Magic have pulled Dwight Howard off the table. He's not going to be traded. 
The Magic need to figure out something with Dwight Howard. He's a free agent at the end of the year. They don't want to get nothing for him. And is this going to be another Carmelo Anthony season where everyone's going to ask all year long, what's going on with Dwight Howard? Yeah, it's just it's crazy. And the NBA is back, and we haven't even started playing games yet, and there's already been these huge news. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it really is. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, with the league. Kevin Garnett came out this week and said, you know, he criticized Commissioner Stern saying, too short of a, of a preseason. And, but, you know, if you wanted to play, the main reason the NBA came back when it did is because there was the impetus to get back by Christmas Day. The TV network said, hey, we want games on Christmas Day. They've got five games on the slate on Christmas Day. TV network's very happy about that. But when you solve this thing a few weeks before, there's not a lot of time for training camp. And how about Kevin Garnett's uh, fried this, fried this, take out the pan, fry the egg on the fire. Put it, put it in the microwave. <laughs> what was that about? And then at the end, he's like, and if you don't cook, this doesn't uh, apply to you. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Classic Kevin Garnett. I mean, he's acting like he's a gourmet chef, but then he's talking about putting it in the microwave. Yeah, it's like, uh, it just didn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, this is the same Kevin Garnett who like went to the lockout meetings this summer for one day, uh, scowled across the table at everyone reportedly, threw a monkey wrench in the progress that had been made, and then walked out. Sad news in Portland this past week. Brandon Roy, really the cornerstone of that franchise, 27 years old, Forced to retire because of chronic knee problems. You don't see often someone at that young age have to retire and walk away from the game. Doctors advised him he would be doing long-term damage to his knees if he continued to play. Uh, He's owed a tremendous amount of money. We'll see whether or not that money is covered by medical insurance or whether the Blazers will amnesty him and pay it outright. But uh, that's our last headline of the week as far as the NBA is concerned. Our next headline... The story that we hate talking about, but it's such a big news story. Jerry Sandusky, he had a hearing earlier this week. His accusers come to the hearing, which really, really hard for them. Alleged accusers and or alleged victims. And he enters a plea of not guilty. They don't hear from any of the alleged victims. And trial is now set for January 11th. And uh, he won't be at trial on January 11th. So, you know, he's saying he's continuing to say, I'm not guilty. His lawyer is continuing to say, I'm not guilty. But Griggs, there's 52 alleged counts from between 10 and 12 people against him. If it was one or two, you could say, well, maybe this is coincidence. But the old saying, where there's smoke, there's fire. Oh, there's a lot of smoke here. And it's not like all these people are just random people. These are people in his football program, uh, people at the university. You know, right. I mean, it's people that have credibility. It's not just people on the street. Hey, you know, the Kobe Bryant type story down in Utah. It's it's different than that, I think. And I thought his lawyer, Joseph Amendola, was so insensitive. He did, you know, probably an hour-long press conference after this hearing earlier this week And, you know, not once does he mention how difficult this could be for the alleged victims or the process or anything like that. I mean, he's basically turned this into, hey, you know what? This is nothing more than Duke lacrosse part two. You're going to find out, ladies and gentlemen, everyone is wrong. All these allegations are false. And that Jerry Sandusky is a completely innocent man. That remains to be seen. But like I said, when you have 52 counts of child sex abuse against you, uh, boy, that's a big, big battle to overcome. 
Our next headline, also an ugly story. Last weekend, Xavier in Cincinnati get into a huge brawl. Did you see the brawl? Xavier's up 23. There's less than a minute to go in the game. These two schools already have a heated rivalry, Griggs. And, you know, the Xavier coach said he probably should have pulled his players from the court because they were up 23. And, I mean, they're, these are big guys, and they're throwing haymakers. There were suspensions after the game, but uh, ugly scene for college basketball and really embarrassing for these two universities. And that's what it really comes down to. I mean, when it's college kids playing, it, it comes back on the university, and it looks bad on them. And, yeah, it was a, I mean, it was a battle. There were some, definitely some good punches thrown out there, and it's scary, too. I mean, basketball is such a, a sport so close to the audience and the fans. I mean, we've seen that in the NBA when it goes – into the stands. This one didn't, thank goodness, but man, it's it's scary when you're sitting right there courtside. Well, we also saw what happens when a big player, you know, a 6'10 guy connects on a punch. It does some serious damage, and uh, boy, there's no room for that in sports at all. Our next headline, firings amongst the NFL head coaching ranks. Todd Haley fired in Kansas City. Tony Sperano fired in Miami. I was a little surprised about Sperano. I thought maybe he'd lose his job at the end of the year, but Miami had been playing better lately. Todd Haley, also, you know, Kansas City was pretty good last year. A lot of injuries this year, including to their star running back, uh, Jamal Charles. So, you know, tough deal for both of these guys, but Todd Haley out in Kansas City. Tony Sperano out in Miami. In the college ranks, some hirings. Jim Mora Jr., who was the coach for the Seattle Seahawks for a little bit, uh, he was hired as the new head football coach at UCLA. Todd Graham leaves Pitt after one year. He went 6-6. He's the new head coach at Arizona State. How does someone say, hey, I want that guy. He's been at that school one year. He's 6-6. You know, maybe he just inherited some bad players, Griggs, but geez. Yeah, it's a little quick. I mean, one season like that, and 6-6, six and six, obviously, 500 team, you know, that's not like, well, we got, he's the best coach ever. So it'll be interesting in that. I like the Mora hire. I think that's a good fit for UCLA, so I'm excited to see that one. But the ASU, I don't know if that's the right fit or not. I mean, we'll have to see. Well, and ASU was really close to hiring June Jones, but then that deal fell apart, so they had to go get Todd Graham. Interesting what the Pac-12 has done with their head coaching ranks. You bring in Mike Leach at Washington State, Jim Mora, at UCLA, Todd Graham and Arizona State. Some interesting new coaches coming into the Pac-12. And don't forget, the Pac-12 has a lot more money now because of their TV deal. Last headline of the week. Is there a bigger name in all of sports right now than Tim Tebow? The guy is polarizing on and off the field. He is 7-1 as the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos this year. And Tim Tebow. Tom Brady and the Patriots meet up on Sunday. You want to talk about a TV ratings bonanza. Brady is a household name. Tebow is the biggest name in football this year. And these two are going to go head-to-head. If the Broncos and Tebow beat the Patriots, oh boy, the legend of Tim Tebow is going to grow even more. Yeah, that's going to be an awesome game. And uh, I think for the Broncos, they've got to come out and do something before the fourth quarter in that game because it'll be uh, Patriots will hand it to them. So it'll be interesting to see if they come out. And I also wanted to note on Tebow, uh, the Global Language Monitor has just uh, considered Tebowing an official word in English language. Wow, I, I, I did not know that. I just saw that come down here recently, and I'm like, uh, it's official now. Tebowing is an actual, uh, 
I guess it would be what, an, an active verb, an action verb? I think it would be. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Hey, how about last Sunday, the New York Times does a full feature on Tim Tebow, the Mile High Messiah. I mean, when the New York Times is doing stories about you, you've transcended sports. And that's what Tim Tebow has done. And as I said on my local show in, in Portland this week, I'm tired of the people questioning Tim Tebow as a starting quarterback in the NFL anymore. He's 7-1. and one. He wins. He plays an exciting brand of football. I mean, every game comes down to the end. The fans are engaged. He sells tickets. He sells merchandise. The TV ratings are good. If you're an owner of a team, if you're the commissioner of the NFL, this guy is the recipe for success. Oh, yeah. The NFL's got to love him. I mean, and obviously the fans do. I mean, Denver's eating it up. I was watching some interviews this week about the stores in Denver. They can't keep the Tebow, anything Tebow in, in the shelves. I mean, they're just selling out like hotcakes. He's just, he's, he's taking that town over by storm and, and the whole NFL league, I think, is, is loving him if you're an NFL fan. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's how big of a story Tim Tebow is. Tim Tebow is overshadowing what the Green Bay Packers are doing. The Green Bay Packers are undefeated right now. And if it weren't for Tim Tebow, that would be the talk of the league. But every day you turn on the TV or the radio, and it's Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow. Interesting. Coming up next, Dr. Paul Dennis. He's a sports psychologist. He's going to join me. Why do athletes make missteps off the field? Why do they take the wrong path? Also, the transition from playing career to retirement, especially when retirement is forced because of injury. Dr. Paul Dennis, sports psychologist, he'll join me next. Then after that, Eric Spolstra, the head coach of the Miami Heat. I'm Brian Berger, and you're listening to Sports Business Radio. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SBRadio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, we all know the story of Mike Vick, Ben Roethlisberger, Tiger Woods, and here locally, Cliff Harris, University of Oregon player who has been booted off of the Oregon football team after several missteps off the field. And you wonder, 
where did things go wrong for these guys, and why did they go wrong? So I wanted to bring on one of the uh, best sports psychologists in the business. He's done a lot of work with athletes. Uh, it's Dr. Paul Dennis. He's joining me from Toronto right now. Good morning, Dr. Dennis. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Brian, and good morning to you, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. This is an interesting conversation. Let's start with the troubled athlete, and I use the example of Cliff Harris here locally, but you know we've seen Tiger Woods, Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Vick. It's a broad question, but where do these guys go wrong with their decisions that lead them to big trouble off the field of play? Well, it's, it's a great question, and I think it's, there's probably more to it than just picking up some bad habits when they were younger and then them either going undetected or people turning a blind eye to it. Why would they do that? Because they have such talent. So uh, that may be part of it, but I think perhaps um, many of these athletes have narcissistic tendencies. They have uh, this inflated sense of self-importance. They're really occupied with themselves. They have selfish goals that have to be met, and some of those selfish goals could include, um, you know, having a really good time and being a party animal. So if, if, if those qualities right there, perhaps qualities isn't the right word, but those circumstances there, if the athlete is talented and enjoys football, now they're all of a sudden attracted to a sport that exuberates a lot of power and control. So that really feeds that narcissistic mindset. And because of that, I think that's when they get into trouble. Because, Brian, they, they think that their actions are going undetected, that they have this psychological invincibility, that they uh, are going to be able to get away with these things, and they take risks. They take really significant risks. And as you say, like with Cliff Harris, nothing good ever happens at 4.30 in the morning, and that's <laughs> when he was pulled over for uh, you know, 118 miles per hour. Um, with marijuana in, in possession. So they honestly think that they're not going to get caught. That's what the problem is. Yeah, it seems like a lot of them, like you said, it's invincibility. The rules don't apply to me. I'm above the law. I'll be able to get myself out of this situation. But many times that's not the case, especially in today's age with the 27, uh, 24-7 world of media that we live in. I mean, everything is detectable now with uh, flip cameras and iPhones and things like that. It's easier to get in trouble and get detected. That's a great point. And as you say, there are more people watching their behavior than ever before. And people that have uh, an impact on, on decision-making as to their future. But honestly, Brian, these athletes think that their behavior is invisible to these people. And it's all related to power and control and satisfying needs. So if they think that their behavior is going undetected by the people that make these decisions, then they're going to do the best they can to satisfy their needs. And if those needs mean you know, um, breaking the law by, by speeding, by drinking, by drug abuse, by substance abuse in any other form. That's what they do. We're joined by Dr. Paul Dennis. He's a sports psychologist. He's based in Toronto. You know, you just look at, at some of the mistakes that have been made, and you wonder if maybe when these players were young, if there wasn't so much enabling going on. Many of these players from the time they're, you know, in grade school, they're being told, yes, and you can do this and we'll bend the rules for you. And then they come to expect that as they grow older. And then when someone tries to say no, they're not used to that. They're not used to that. And, and for that reason, which you very well articulated, sometimes it's not always their fault. So if they don't have these narcissistic tendencies and yet they still have these behaviors that could be corrected, 
and it's not corrected, it's not their fault. But then as adults and coaches and, and administrators in, in the sports industry, we get what we tolerate. So as long as we um, don't curb that behavior, then what we're saying to them is that it's okay. And why are we saying that? Because we want to endear ourselves to them because they're really talented athletes and maybe they're going to promote me and talk about me and I can be their friend and, and this is what happens. So it's not fair to the athlete. We're not teaching the athlete responsibility and accountability. We talk about those things, but we don't not necessarily held, uh, hold them to that standard. And that's, it's not fair to them. Is there any correlation to athletes who take the wrong path off the field and athletes who come from broken homes who don't have that strong parental guidance early in their life? I don't know if there's an exact correlation, but many of the athletes that I've worked with, and and primarily the NBA, I can remember there was one one situation when I was working with the Raptors, and I I was 90% of my time with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the National Hockey League, and the Raptors GM would say to me, when you conduct interviews to draft NHL players, um, can you, you look into their family background, and they come from a no, strong nuclear family, mom and dad, could you do the same with, uh, with us and, and basketball? And I said, I'll do that if you want me to, but the evidence is pretty clear that a lot of these great, great athletes in, in the NBA came from single-parent families, raised by their mom, raised by their grandmother. These are quality athletes. So if they're 18 years of age and they've had a really tough background, but they still have the skill to play at the NCAA level, there's something special about these guys. And, and, and let's, let's nurture that and take what, those strengths that they have and nurture that so that they become even better when they join your team. I look at LeBron James last summer with the decision, and, I mean, you talk about a narcissist. He is really trying to backtrack on that now. He's had some comments where he hasn't outright apologized for how he handled that, but he said if he had a chance to do it over again, he probably would. He's trying to become the more friendly version of LeBron James. But uh, is that like the ultimate case of an athlete's narcissism taking over and really stabbing a lot of fans in the back when he could have just done that in a much more dignified manner? Yes, I think that's a perfect example. But you know what, Brian? I think athletes, when they get to that position of power and control and authority, what they need to do is reach out to people like yourself, people that have a, a credible history of, of, of public relations and working in the background with athletes and saying, you know, run it by you. Is this a good idea? Well, of course it's not a good idea, and these are all the reasons why. But they don't do that. And why is that? That's that invincibility thing. They think that the decisions that they're making are the right ones, and it's not always the case. So they're pretty closed and narrow-minded at that point. But if they're open-minded and reach out, to get some feedback from the experts in the field, they'll get that direction, and then they can make their, the informed decision at that point. We're joined by Dr. Paul Dennis, a sports psychologist. He's based in Toronto. He's worked with numerous athletes and teams. I want to move on from discussing the troubled athlete to talking about athletes who are facing injury. I've been watching this Peyton Manning situation, and obviously Peyton Manning has played at the highest level you can play as an NFL player during his entire career. Such durability. Now he's faced injury this year. He's missed the entire season. His career is in jeopardy with this injury. If you're Peyton Manning, if you were working with Peyton Manning, what are you telling him right now? Well, I'd say that uh, football has been a huge, huge part of your life, but it's not the rest of your life. And nothing is more important than your health and your family and your well-being. So where are you at right now? And how, what do you think about those things? And looking forward 10, 15 years down the road, do you want to be able to enjoy your children and your, your grandchildren and that type of thing? And, um, and if the answer to that is yes, then you know, if that's what we value, then are you putting your life at risk by continuing to play? 
And if you are putting yourself at risk, then let's make, a, let's make the right decision. I mean, you cannot make any more money from this game. You've won a Super Bowl. You've been the best quarterback in the league for some time. You know, you've been there. You've done that. Now let's move on. And you take all those strengths and those, that benefit that you've received, uh, that you've encountered as a professional athlete, and share it with other people, either in a management role or a coaching role. So I, I think those are the discussions that I would be having with someone like Peyton Manning at that point. Peyton Manning is 35 years old in the latter half of his career. An athlete who was in his prime, our own Brandon Roy of the Portland Trailblazers, 27 years old, abruptly retired last Friday because of chronic knee injury. Here's a guy that, boy, I mean, you look towards the future and what could have been, but he made that decision that you just described. You know what? My health long term, my family, I've got kids. These are the reasons that I'm walking away from the game today. But do you think... A year or two from now, Brandon Roy looks back and goes, gosh, I, I really want to get back on the court, or I wish things were different. It's hard to say. I, that's always a possibility, because once the players do not have access to the locker room where they're around their friends, and as you know, it's still a boys' game, and it's still a game to play, and it's so much fun and being in a locker room and traveling and, and whatnot. It depends on how much he misses it. But I think as long as he's, uh, he establishes his priorities, my wife and my family and my kids, that's what's important to me now. I don't want to put them at risk. And I, if I put my family at risk by going back, then uh, what good am I to them? And so I think if he has that conversation with himself and with his wife, then, then he'll make the right decision. But it's going to be tempting. Nevertheless, it's always wanting to go back and play the game that you love, the game that has provided so much comfort for your family and enjoyment for you as an athlete, that's all gone now. And that's, that's pretty traumatic. And people just think, well, he's, he's made millions of dollars, he'll be okay. That's not the case at all. It's, it has nothing to do with money at this point. Yeah, last question for you to follow up on that is when athletes retire, we see a high rate of divorce. We see that they have a really hard time kind of adjusting to normal pedestrian life, uh, getting back in the fold with their family. What's the best way to try and make the adjustment from being an active pro athlete, and you can get ahead of this maybe a few years before you know you're going to retire, and then blending back into retired life? Another great question, and I think uh, the agent has to come into play here, and the agent has to be able to have a game plan and talk about this with the athlete during the career. It can't come from coaches or management necessarily, because then management or coaches will say, why should I be talking about that with my athlete down the road? That has nothing to do with, with, with the task at hand at this particular moment. So quite often the organization won't make that available to the athlete. But the, uh, the Players Association, the player's agent, let's have a game plan, something that you can incorporate into your daily routine in the offseason that you could work towards so that you know when you close the locker room door for the last time you have something else to go to. It shouldn't be a shock to the athlete once that door closes behind him. There should be a game and plan the next game of his life, and that's, the agent can help in a big way in that regard. Super insight from Dr. Paul Dennis, sports psychologist. He's based in Toronto. Uh, Dr. Dennis, thank you so much for taking the time, and I'd love to have you on again in the future. Uh, it'd be great talking to you, Brian, and uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, have a great Christmas. You too. Thank you very much. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back.
Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Right now we're going to go to Coach Eric Spolster, the head coach of the Miami Heat. Uh, Eric, are you there? Yes, I am, Brian. What's going on? How are you? Good. Good to so finally today, get back at this. Yeah, I bet. Today's media day, and uh, that's got to be one of the things that's really changed in the last year is that it's a circus of media following you guys wherever you go. What's that been like? It's the favorite part of my job. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I mean, so this will be about, I don't know, a three- or four-hour ordeal. Um, today it's really extreme, but even when we're in our normal routine, it's a, it's a little bit extreme. But after going through what we did last year, uh, you get used to it, uh, and you're able to make light of it. And, and you know, at the end of the day, uh, we like the interest that people have in our team, whether it be negative or positive. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a really good thing. You've got some high-profile players on the team. Someone that you just signed, Shane Battier. Eric, you're a cerebral guy. Uh, Battier is kind of a coach on the floor. What's it like to have him on the roster? Yeah, it's probably going to be a lot more of him coaching us, telling us exactly <laughs> the information he wants. We've heard uh, that he actually treats his preparation towards his opponent uh, and games as if he were a coach, and he wants that m- much uh, an- analysis and detail and scouting reports. Uh, all of that is terrific because we spend a lot of time and, and we take pride in our preparation in games. Uh, we've tried to get him now li- literally for about four or five years, uh, always have turned up short with uh, trade talks, uh, and now that we finally have been able to get him, we feel he, he fits our culture and, and really has the fabric of what we uh, want to represent. I know the lockout allowed you some time to watch some other coaches at work. You watched one of uh, Oregon football coach Chip Kelly's practices during the lockout. What were your thoughts after watching Chip Kelly and his practice, and what might you be able to take from his practices that you can implement with the Heat? Well, first of all, uh, I just think he's uh, an intriguing coaching figure. I really do. I mean, I'm an Oregon Ducks fan. Obviously, growing up in Oregon, I think it's been so exciting what they've been able to do with that program. But he's a true contrarian. He thinks out of the box, and I just wanted to see what uh, he was like, and and he was tremendous uh, in terms of the time. Uh, I went and saw uh, him in in their training camp. Uh, I was able to spend three or four hours with him before practice, was able to watch practice on the field, uh, and saw how they do things and what's important to them, what's important to their core values, uh, everything that you know about their program in terms of doing it fast, doing it hard, doing it quick, doing it with intensity. Uh, it's all true, uh, and I was amazed at the pace uh, of their practice. Uh, and so there are some things that uh, you can equate to basketball and certainly the, how efficient uh, and how quickly they're going through things in practice are, are some of the things that we try to take away from that. 
We're joined by Miami Heat head coach Eric Spolstra. So a 66-game season coming up, lots of back-to-backs, pretty grueling schedule, but your roster really seems to set up nicely. You've got your core players back. You've got a terrific blend of uh, youth and depth. What do you see coming up this season with the roster that you've been able to put together now? We like it. Uh, We feel that we didn't need to make a whole lot of changes off of last year's team. Uh, You know, we felt uh, that to make it through the East uh, without the home court through a very competitive conference and then be two games away from our goal, uh, that we felt that we had enough. But we always, as an organization, are always trying to improve our roster, and we feel that we made some uh, real nice uh, additions with with Shane Battier and Norris Cole, a rookie point guard, uh, and and still possibly um, have some flexibility to make some moves uh, in the future. But to prepare for a lockout shortened season like this, uh, it's tough. There's no really uh, real way to to get organized for it. We're all going to go through the same type of thing. So it's a condensed training camp, which is a challenge for everybody. You know, basically 16, 17 days from the time you start to your first game, uh, and then to play so many back-to-backs and five games and seven nights. We have one stretch where we're playing eight games and 11 nights. Wow. Our our plan is with our roster, we feel that we have a lot of depth. We feel comfortable with our depth. And I plan on using that uh, also to keep our guys fresh. Last season, LeBron, Dwayne, Chris played together for the first time. It took them some time to gel. What did you learn from their respective skill sets last season that will help you position them for greater success this season? Well, we had to really think a little bit more out of the box with these guys and and less conventional uh, and look at our team as players. And the more we tried to put guys in boxes or specific positions at the beginning of the year, the more we struggled. Uh, and one of our major strengths is our versatility. The, guys, the fact that the guys can play multiple positions, that's something that we really took advantage of as the season went on. We plan on doing it this year, multi-positional players, even the guys that we've added uh, that can guard multi-different positions and, and can play different positions offensively. I think it'll go smoother. It, it took some time and and like all things that you hope that are going to be great, uh, you have to be patient. It has to take time. And, and we went through a lot of growing pains last year, but we're able to still uh, taste some success. Uh, the guys are driven uh, and focused coming in, into training camp this year, and hopefully we can uh, do something different. I saw LeBron worked out with Akeem Olajuwon during the offseason. Might we see him play a little bit more in the post this year? Yeah, and we did start to utilize him more as the season went on, and he can be such a a power uh, down there, and that's another part of his game that he wanted to develop, which is terrific. It fits in with a lot of what we want to do anyway. Uh, he is never satisfied with his game, and every summer he's always tried to add something new, and this year he wanted to concentrate uh, in the post. I think it's terrific that he spent some time uh, with Olajuwon. Uh, I know the last guy that did turned out pretty well for him. Uh, when Kobe Bryant did that, uh, came back with a, a whole new skill set down there in the post. Uh, we plan on utilizing him more there um, to play inside out, uh, and I think he's really going to try to try to make a point down there. LeBron is such a polarizing figure. From someone like you who coaches him day in and day out, what's the most misunderstood thing about LeBron James? I don't know if it's misunderstood, uh, really, but what I've noticed about him is how much he cares uh, particularly mm-hmm. about winning and about his teammates. Uh, he is a great teammate. Uh, he does the little things uh, that it takes to win uh, in terms of uh, dedication, uh, 
practicing, knowing that he has to be out there with the guys, uh, being vocal in practice, pushing guys to get better, uh, substantiating uh, the core values that the, the team has. Uh, all of those things you might not think that he does behind the scenes, uh, but he is involved in all that, and he does understand how important it is uh, to be uh, not only a vocal leader, but to lead by example. Uh, and he, he did a terrific job of that uh, last year. Uh, it was pleasant uh, for us to see that. Not that I not that we didn't know that he was like that. I just didn't even know him before mm-hmm. we went on our first recruiting trip uh, last July uh, to Cleveland. Uh, so it was one long year. It was about eight months uh, that we all got to know each other very well. Uh, and I have, I've said this for a long time, even when I was an assistant, you don't really get to know people in this league until it goes bad. You know, and when everything is great, uh, you can say you know somebody, but until you're back is against the wall and there's some adversity and there's some bad media coming your way or you have an opportunity now to start pointing fingers, that's when you really start to get to know each other and that's when you start to build uh, real true bonds and, and we were all able to do that last year because of all the heightened scrutiny that we went through. Last question for you. I know you've got to run. You visited the Philippines again this summer with the NBA Fit program. You got to meet President Aquino on this trip. Uh, what was that like? <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was unexpected. <laughs> Uh, we went uh, for our third year in a row over there. Uh, it's been really a transformational trip every year that we've gone, uh, particularly for myself to see family members there, see cousins that I'd never met before, and then also uh, to teach uh, the game of basketball, but also being part of the NBA FIP program, which is also important to me, and teaching the importance of uh, living a, a healthy lifestyle. Uh, but we were doing our normal routine of, of, of holding clinics and, and teaching at camps. And then we had the opportunity to meet the president. Uh, and we canceled our lunch and, and drove across town uh, to be able to meet him. And, and it was truly an honor. That's great. And how's Uncle Tony? Good? <laughs> He's doing great. He was asking about you. <laughs> and we'll have to get you over there again one of, the, one of these summers. Well, that was a trip of a lifetime for me, and uh, congratulations to you for all the great work you continue to do over there. Eric, best of luck today at Media Day, and best of luck for you in the Heat this season. Thanks for joining me. Okay, Brian. Talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. Have a great day. Okay. That, that's Miami Heat head coach Eric Spolstra taking some time right before he goes and meets with uh, the media at Media Day in Miami. Always great to catch up with him. Eric played at the University of Portland. I think he did a fantastic job for the Miami Heat last year pressure packed job um he's in the last year of his contract i think they should extend him i don't think you're going to find a better coach for that team than eric Spolstra. podcast this show and any other past sbr episode at sportsbusinessradio.com back with more sbr after this let it snow let it snow when we finally it's the age of new media and citizen journalism Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter, and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. 
Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. This is Sports Business Radio. Well, the owner of the Portland Trailblazers and the NFL Seattle Seahawks, Paul Allen, and aerospace pioneer Burt Rutan announced Tuesday they're building a giant airplane and spaceship to zip people and cargo into orbit. But unlike traditional rockets and government spaceships, this new commercial spaceship will drop from a high-flying airplane instead of blasting off from a launch pad. Allen and Rattan, who won a prize in 2004 with the spaceship that went into space but not orbit, their new business model likely includes tourism and satellites. Their new plane will have a wingspan of 380 feet longer than a football field. The plane will carry under the belly a space capsule with its own booster rocket, take off from a runway, and go high into the air. Then the plane will release from the spaceship, which will rocket to orbit. Paul Allen, interesting guy. He's got the Brain Institute. He's got the music experience. Uh, He just reserved his spot for his super yacht, the Octopus, at the 2012 Olympic Games next summer. And, uh, hey, he might be sending people into space, Griggs. What do you think about that? That is the, that is the funniest thing. As you're going through the, reading all that stuff that's on that uh, spaceship, it feels like it's something that, you know, some five-year-old boy dreamed up, and it's actually something that's going to happen. It's insane. It is. And that he, much money. Yep. And the first tests that will carry people are scheduled for 2016. And remember, there's no more space shuttle program. That's been doomed by NASA after several tragedies. So Paul Allen, you know, a guy who is a multi-billionaire, he's funding this. And wouldn't it be an interesting legacy for him if he is able to send civilians into space? All right. A lot of thank yous this week. Eric Spolstra, the head coach of the Miami Heat, always enjoy catching up with him. Dr. Paul Dennis, who I believe is going to be our new sports psychologist on this show, enjoyed our conversation. Our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, Doug Zanger, and Max Waterman. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just click on the iTunes icon on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com. Have our show downloaded to your iTunes every week. We'd love it if you post a review of our show on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Happy holidays. Have a great week. And we'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. 
Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. 